distinguished citizens, and welcome to Unknown. I'm Jason McClellan. I'm here with Shane Hurd today. Thanks for hanging out with us. Shane recently released his debut book titled Unidentified Aerial Phenomena, A Beginner's Guide to Researching UFOs. So today, Shane's going to spend some time telling us about his book. But before we get to the book, Shane, I'd love to talk with you for a bit just about UFO investigations in general and also a bit of your personal history as well. Cool? Yeah, that sounds great. All right. So before you jumped into actual investigation, when did you start researching the UFO topic? Well, I would say, you know, I always had an interest even from childhood, but it was not very strong, just, you know, kind of in the back of my mind. And then as I, I grew, you know, had a family and a career and starting all that and just didn't really have the time to pay attention. But once my daughter grew and uh, had my career under control, I had a little time to, you know, look into things that interested me. And, and I think the thing that really popped that interest off was the Phoenix Lights incident mm. here in Arizona. I was a resident, you know, I, I've lived here 40 years, so I was here during that time. And even though I didn't see it uh, that evening, you know, the, you know, much ado about about that case occurred in the media right and you know it, it happened over a long period of time for months and months and mm-hmm. months and so even if you were just uh not even a casual uh interest in in ufos it, it was still in in the nightly news and i mean it got a lot of attention here so yeah that did grab my attention and and i thought you know there there is really something to this i need to look into more fully and that's kind of where it started for me. And then, you know, about that time you had, of course, X-Files was going on. And then other um, UFO TV programs began, like UFO Files. And so I would watch that stuff. But um, it wasn't until about 2010 where I really got into it with Ernest. And, and that was really the result of reading uh, Leslie Kane's book, um, UFOs, Generals, Pilots, and Public Officials Go on the Record. And I followed that up with Richard Dolan's uh, two-volume set of um, UFOs in the national security state. And once I did that, I I was pretty much convinced that there was a reality to this and that I would like to continue it further. And eventually, after studying, you know, reading every book and, uh, you know, movie and documentary and everything I could get my hands on for a couple of years, I... I kind of felt like, well, now what do I do with this knowledge? <laughs> and and um, I looked for some kind of opportunity to really engage and do more than just consume, you know, information. And um, that's when uh, MUFON really got on my radar. And in 2015, I, I did join MUFON. And then in 2017, I became an investigator. And then um, earlier this year, I, I became an assistant director of Arizona MUFON. So... It's kind of been my path and my journey, and um, I'm super enjoying it. It's just so much fun. So stepping back after the Phoenix Lights and decided to start researching the topic, do you remember that process and, and what you actually did to 
you know, look, actively look into the topic? Like, how did you come across Leslie Kane's book, for example? Like, were you yeah. were you searching on the internet? What were you doing to to figure out, you know, how to get this information or where to get this information? Yeah, great point. You know, the the I mean, the internet internet was you know certainly well along at that time, and you know, um, but I don't think Facebook was really much of a deal then. But uh, no, it was not. What, what I actually, the, yeah, yeah. So it, um, the first book I saw, and I was literally just walking through uh, Barnes and Noble, and I saw the book um, on Roswell from um, Course Owen Burns the day after mm. Roswell. I think is what it was called. And, um, you know, I'd heard of Roswell, kind of what it was. And I thought, well, you know, that's interesting. Maybe I'll look into that, start there. And that's how, how I got going. But when I read that book, I was, I was kind of disappointed. I, I, you know, I just felt like, you know, some of it, you know, seemed plausible, but some of it didn't. And I kind of got discouraged and was thinking, boy, I hope, you know, I'm not wasting my time here. And then that's when the second book I found actually was Leslie. So, uh, that kind of renewed my confidence, but yeah, it was tough back then. There was no, I didn't really know anybody in the topic. There was no connecting like on Facebook, that kind of thing. It was really just on my own. And, and frankly, you know, that process was difficult and it was random and I was taking shots in the dark. And so, you know, some stuff I, I was just totally, you know, nonsense. And then other stuff was, you know, pretty factual. And then some of it, you know, was really fascinating to me, you know, very scientific and, and, you know, some really, um, you know, valid information. You, you could just kind of see it almost like, you know, spread out before me. It was on the right hand, you had wheat like good information. And then on the left, you know, was, was chaff like bad information. And, and it took a while to go through the process to kind of ha- how to differentiate between the two. But, um, you know, eventually I got there. But it, it was a bit of a struggle. And I feel bad for people trying to jump in on this even now because there's just so much to wade through. And you just don't even know where to start and what's relevant and what's nonsense, you know. So that that was kind of my journey or how, how I got going. As you were on your journey and you decided to, you know, take it further, um, what was it about UFO investigations specifically that appealed to you? Yeah, that that is um, that is the thing that appeals to me. I, I guess, you know, when I got going on this, I was driven by this same curiosity most people have. Um, for me, it was more the nuts and bolts side. It's like, what is that machine in the air that is unexplained. I got to find out what that is. You know, mm. that, that certainly is what, what had drove me to, to look into it. And then again, having had the experience of consuming all this information and knowledge, but nowhere to, to use it or, or apply, it was very frustrating to me. And that's why, um, I, um, tended to gravitate toward the investigation side because here you can do something about it. You know, it, not just, you know, learn, but now apply and maybe help move this whole thing forward. So that's what attracted me most. And, and again, the scientific side of it, or, you know, the investigative side where you're applying logic and reason and deduction and, and all of those things. And it's not, 
just you know belief it, it's it's action and it's you know evidence and it's proof and i don't know that just appeals to me more yeah and here we are in 2020 so you've got many years now of ufo investigation under your belt but again it's 2020 and we've talked about this before on the <laughs> show but now that we're a couple more months into it what does the ufo investigation landscape look like during covid yeah that's that's a rough one because it has limited our ability to uh, go investigate in person, which, um, you know, as a MUFON investigator, you, you do the majority of your work on the computer and mm -hmm. research that way. However, there is absolutely a percentage of the time that you go meet with people, you go on site in those locations. You know, I've had, had, um, cases where, you know, we brought out our, 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 you know, Geiger counters and our, you know, mail meters and, you know, uh, you know, a sextant and, and just, you know, I mean, there, there's some really neat things that you can apply to a case, but you have to be there and present. Yeah. And of course the, the seriousness of the case dictates whether you do that, but even to interview someone, you know, to do so over the phone is fine or Skype is fine, but definitely in person, you, there's so much more to communication than, than the words we utter. Right. And so, um, it, it is better if you can do that in person. And so with COVID, you know, I've had a couple cases where, boy, I really wanted to go out there and meet with the people and talk to them and, and stuff where we ju it just wasn't safe to do so. Not for them, not for myself. And, you know, unfortunately, that's the world we're living in right now. Right. But, you know, it's temporary. We're going to get through this, get around it, and we'll be back to, to doing, you know, in-person stuff. I like your optimism. <laughs> All right. Well, let's yes, get into the book now. <laughs> you totally have to be. All right. Let's jump into the book. Now, what made you, you know, you'd gone into UFO research, made the jump to UFO investigation. What was it that made you to decide to write a book about your UFO research? Yeah, really two things. Of course, just the personal side of it that, hey, I would like to be an author, you know, and I would like to record all of this information and knowledge that I had gathered over the years and kind of document it and leave a legacy for my granddaughters, that kind of thing. So selfishly, that, that definitely was part of my, my motivation. Sure. But the other side and what really, really what my focus is, and it hasn't stopped with the writing this book, um, and that is, is to educate people who are newly interested in this topic and why I think that's particularly uh, important right now is a couple things. One is we're living in a time of unprecedented release of information um, about UFOs from the government, um, a variety of agencies, and and then the mainstream media is taking it seriously. So um, this has, in effect, been a signal to the general public that the taboo of demonstrating an interest in UFOs has, if not been eliminated, at least reduced greatly so that, you know, a person can inquire and learn about it and not fear that ridicule. And so my, my thinking is, is that as these revelations continue to come in that we've seen through TTSA and, and the Navy and the Department of Defense and all these things, um, it, it's really a special time. We, we're just 
you know, it's been 75 years of the lid being clamped down tight. Now it's, it's come off it. And it's really wonderful. It is. It's so fascinating. And I think it's going to draw a lot more people to the field. And that being said, I would hope that my book could help them not have the experience I had up front and the frustration with determining, you know, what's good information and bad information. What are good sources and what are bad sources? And how do you tell the difference? And, and all those sorts of things. What are the big issues in in ufology what are the minor issues what are the politics of it and it kind of goes on and on but all of these are important um you know to get a good understanding of the topic and to begin to educate yourself so that that's really the point of my book is really is to help newly interested people wade through the crap not fall down rabbit holes but get a good solid lock on on what ufology is all about uh, so that they can, you know, be educated with good, high-quality information versus, you know, having to wade through a lot of the nonsense first. You include some classic UFO cases in the book. Do you think that having a familiarity with classic cases and UFO history in general is important when it comes to researching this topic? Absolutely essential. Uh, and it's it's like any topic. You know, history matters, and it can guide and direct you and, and in terms of the present and the future. And so what these cases do for us, I mean, first of all, we've, that's all we've had for those 75 years, right? Or these, these classic cases. Um, but they all yield, uh, information about UFOs and they, they have different strengths, um, in terms of each case. So for example, one classic case might, you know, have really good, photographic evidence you know especially like you know from the 50s and 60s and where you didn't have computers and you can fake photos more easily that kind of a thing or you know some cases have super strong um witness testimony and you know the credentials of the people you know involved really add add to it um some of it is like mass sightings you know that's that's a rare thing and and it's incredibly powerful and so what what the historical cases do is acquaint us with what is, again, good and relevant information versus what isn't. And it educates people about the investigative process. You know, it's it's a difficult thing when you're not there and you didn't see it or have that experience, but you're charged with investigating it and, you know, and trying to determine what it was, if it was something otherworldly or if it was something prosaic. I mean, and, and the only way to get there is, you know, eyewitness testimony and trace evidence and video evidence and, and a process of uh, elimination. And just there's all these moving pieces all of the time to these cases. And sometimes they're strong and sometimes they're weak. But, you you know, as an investigator, you, you have to follow the evidence that you have and make a conclusion based on that. So... Every case is unique and different, and some are really fun because you, you get a lot of stuff, and others are kind of boring because you just don't have much to go on. Some are super frustrating because you you know you you, you can't you can't say what it is and what it wasn't. So what are you left with? So I mean that that's the topsy turvy world of investigating. But again, classic cases and our history is a, is a big part of it, and it's absolutely essential. So that's why I include that in the book to acquaint people with. Here's and and I selected cases that I thought were strong, you know, and I think they're generally agreed upon as very strong cases in in, in the UFO community. So 
again, a person just getting acquainted with this, they need to understand the history of it as well. Yeah, really well said, and I completely agree with you on that. Um, you point out various obstacles that researchers are almost certain to encounter, like hoaxes, misidentifications, disinformation, disagreements among researchers, and more. Um, mm-hmm. So was there an obstacle that was more prevalent than others uh, to you personally when you were beginning your journey into UFO research? Yeah, I think it was the ridicule factor because, okay. you know, I had a, a, a strong religious background mm-hmm. and I knew that, that my interest in this would have been poo-pooed. Yeah. Um, so that's one aspect of it. Of course, I was concerned what my family would think and my friends. And, and then, again, my career. I'm still still in the midst of my career. And, you know, it, it's um, – it's a technical career, and uh, the, by far the majority of people that I work with uh, are are highly educated. You know, they're they're um, you know master's degrees, and they're in, uh, engineers and that kind of thing. So people who you know think critically and get it. And so I, you know, I was concerned how it might reflect on me that you know I'm going to be a kook or something because I'm into to UFOs. But you know, gladly it. None of that transpired the way I thought it would. And, and in fact, I've got nothing but positive comments and support. So for me, that was the challenge. And again, with this book, I'm hoping that people will, you know, understand that if you, if you educate yourself and you have facts, um, when people, you know, do oppose, oppose it or ridicule in some way, you can come back with, you know, good solid information because anybody that's going to, ridicule is not ridiculing you because they know more facts than you. They don't know anything. They're totally ignorant. They're just making fun of you. You know, they think that they have a case to make fun of you. But when you come back and defend yourself um, with fact and good information, that that usually shuts that kind of stuff down right away. So to me, it's all about education and understanding. And that way you can protect yourself and move forward. That really goes right into the book's final chapter. The book's final chapter is called Follow the Evidence. And, I mean, that would seem like a no-brainer. But tell me why you thought it was and is important to remind UFO researchers to follow the evidence. Yeah, I think it's, it's just such an important thing. The fact is there's more information out there than you could, you know, amass or digest in a lifetime. And a lot of it is not good information, yeah. but there is good information. There's mountains, mountains of good evidence yeah. to support the view that UFOs are real. And, and that's that. There's, there's no question about it. But yeah. the problem is, is people develop their own um, thinking about what this is and why they're here and all of those things, which is natural. And I understand that. But that's putting the cart before the horse. You know, I, I talk about the, the five W's, you know, what, where and when, which to me, that's what we need to focus on because that yields actionable data. We can measure that, you know, what date, what time, what geographic location, what happened, blah, blah, blah. You can aggregate that. You can, you know, um, use that to study with. You can draw conclusions from it. And I think those are the things that you can treat um, in a, a scientific way you know you can apply the scientific method to the what where and the when now the who and the why which is you know ultimately where we want to go of course you know it's too soon for that um but i i think if we really do get a handle on the what where when and how type stuff 
the, the who and the why will either become self-evident or we can make some really strong theories that are supportable. Or maybe if there isn't some others that at that point they'll make themselves known to us. So, um, so I think that's the danger is that we, some people allow their belief um, in what or who or why this is happening to, to cloud the, the use of evidence, which is the what, where, and the when side. So I, I think that's always where the slope gets slippery uh, for researchers. And, you know, and it, it's, okay, it's okay to speculate and kind of have fun with that idea. But, you know, we've got to act responsibly. We've got to make sure if we're, if we're spouting stuff off that we're, what we're spouting off is, you know, evidence and fact and proof. Um, and then anything else being to make really clear that that is our opinion or our theory and one of many. Well, Shane, thanks a bunch for sharing this insight into your book. And I hope people who are interested in UFO research, check it out. Shane's book, Unidentified Aerial Phenomena, A Beginner's Guide to Researching UFOs, is available now on Amazon. Well, citizens, that's going to do it for this episode. You can find more episodes of Unknown on all the major podcast platforms. And you can always find this show and our other shows at RoguePlanet.tv because Unknown is a Rogue Planet production. RoguePlanet.tv is your home for all the strange. Feel free to reach out to us if you've got a story you want to share, if there's a story or topic you'd like us to cover on this show, or anything else. You can find us on social media or simply email us at contact at RoguePlanet.tv. Thanks again for hanging out with us today. I'm Jason McClellan. I'm Shane Hurd. Do us a favor, friends. Always treat the UFO subject with the cautious and responsible skepticism it deserves. Question everything. Have the courage to form your own opinions. Keep truth as the focus of your quest, even if the truth conflicts with your opinions. And, of course, stay strange. Stay strange.